The Sloss Sports Show on Anchor.fm, weekly episodes highlighting and breaking down the biggest stories across sports. Make sure to keep up with the latest episodes and breaking news on Twitter by following at Sloss Sports Show and keep up to date with the latest breaking news around the NFL. The official site of the show, knoble87.wixsite.com slash Sloss Sports Report. And now, here's your host, Cole Noble. What is going on, everyone? It is Slaw Sports Show Saturday, and he- we're here for another episode of the Slaw Sports Show. I'm your host, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw, and special thank you goes out to Javik Blake for that awesome intro. Haven't given him some recognition for it yet. Uh, it's been on the last couple of episodes, but thank you, Javik, for the intro. It is electric, really gets us pumped up and started with the episode. And just like last week, today's episode will be loaded we got a lot to talk about. We're going to be diving in the MLB, talking about some uh, free agency news, some big deals that went down this past week. Going to be bouncing around over into the NBA, talking about some breaking news, um, some big games that happened over the past week, um, especially toward the tail end. Then we're going to head to the NFL. we got some breaking news to talk about all around the NFL this past week, and then wrapping it up with the, with the championship weekend. Two teams, excuse me, four teams, two games, a lot on the line. Winner goes on to the Super Bowl. So a lot to talk about, and we're going to wrap up there with the championship weekend. But to get started with today's episode, we're going to start elsewhere, not where we just talked uh, with all the stuff we just talked about. We're actually going to start with UFC 257, which is going to be tonight on ESPN at 10 p.m., $70.00. If you want to buy the fight, and it's Connor McGregor against Dustin Poirier is the main card. The rematch from 2014, part two. It's going to be insane tonight. So if you guys can check that out, um, I would highly recommend doing so. I'm going to find a way to get the fight and check it out as well. Um, you know, from what you guys may or may not know, I'm a big UFC guy. I love. Uh, whenever these main cards, especially huge ones like McGregor and then big ones like Poirier as well. Um, if you guys remember from last year, we did a big episode on the Conor McGregor against the Cowboy fight that only lasted you know less than 20 seconds. But we were absolutely ecstatic and pumped for that fight. And I'm feeling the same way for this one. Just Poirier, McGregor, round two, um, you know, part two. And like I said, the last fight in 2014 is the last time these two squared off in the octagon. And McGregor KO'd Poirier in that fight. And, you know, it's been seven years now. And a lot of people are saying Dustin Poirier is a different fighter. He's a lot more trained. He's a lot more ready to take on Conor McGregor. Um, So it's going to be a great fight tonight. And again, if you guys can find any way to get that, I'd highly encourage you to do so and check that out. Um, but on Friday, both fighters did make weight. Conor McGregor weighing in at 155 and Poirier weighing in at 156. So the fight is on tonight. And, you know, this is going to be an interesting fight, in my opinion. It can go two ways. Obviously, we know McGregor is a striker guy. He's going to, you know, try to knock him out early in the uh, early in the fight. He's not a guy that can really go the distance. But with Poirier, that's where he can, you know, expose the weakness of Conor McGregor. I think Poirier's secret for this fight is going to be taking this fight deep, taking it to the later rounds. I don't know if he can take it all the way to the distance and end up, 
you know, winning with the points and the shots, um, especially against a guy like McGregor. Um, but he can take advantage of McGregor's endurance late in this fight and end up knocking him down. And then for McGregor, obviously, he just has to keep his same playing style. Strike fast, land shots in the stand-up, and take out Poirier early in this fight. And I, in my opinion, that is my prediction. Um, I think that early in the first two to three rounds, I think McGregor will knock out Dustin Poirier in a stand-up. Straight-up KO. Um, it, this what happened last time. And I'm going with that same prediction uh, for tonight's game. Or excuse me, for tonight's fight. But something to also keep in mind with Poirier's strategy going into this one, only two of McGregor's 12 octagon fights have gone the distance. So it's going to be key for Poirier to stay up, stay on his feet, take some punches. I don't know if he can go all the way the distance and end up winning it by decision, but he's definitely going to have to take advantage of McGregor's lack of endurance here in the later rounds of the, of the fight. But I'm excited for this one. Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier tonight at 10 o'clock again on ESPN. $70, UFC 257. Make sure you guys check it out. And now let's go over to the MLB before we get started with some of the breaking news coming out from free agency. First and foremost, my condolences go out for Hank Aaron, um, a longtime legend of the game, passed away on Friday at 86 years old. The magic number to always be remembered is 755 home runs. That, I think, will stand the test of time. I don't know if anyone will ever break that record. So just rest in peace, Hank Aaron, longtime legend lost in the game uh, for the MLB. Let's get over um, now over to some news with free agency talk. So we're going to begin with the Boston Red Sox. Um, obviously, my favorite team, everyone that knows me, but the Red Sox made a a little bit of some news here later in the week and still have a couple of situations to monitor going forward for the rest of the offseason. But first and foremost, they start out um, the week by re-signing left-hander Martin Perez. They got him back on a one-year deal, a guy who's critical to their rotation. Um, so they're able to get him back. And then last night on Friday, the big news is they got Kiki Hernandez on a two-year $14 million deal a guy who can do it all infield or outfield. And, you know, if they if the Red Sox do put him in the outfield, it brings some questions there with guys like Jackie Bradley Jr., who could potentially be on the trade block, or even Andrew Benatendi. I mean, I personally don't want to see him traded, um, but he could also be traded in left field, and we, we can then move Hernandez there. Um, but it looks like Verdugo might still stay out in the outfield as well uh, for the Red Sox. So again, Hernandez and Perez getting Perez re-signed. Hernandez, a big pickup by the Boston Red Sox, a team who isn't looking like they're going to be doing too much this year. Um, but Hernandez is definitely a key piece, and I don't want to take it lightly how big of a help that could be for the Red Sox. And then some big news actually for the Red Sox is that they are still going to be taking caution with their star pitcher, their ace, Chris Sale, who's coming off Tommy John surgery. They're still being cautious with him. Don't want him to re-aggravate anything once the season starts and end up on the IR like what happened last year. And then, of course, the legend of the Boston Red Sox, Dustin Pedroia. He is not planning to come back for the Boston Red Sox, which personally, as a guy who grew up loving Dustin Pedroia, I hate to see him not being able to come back. But from you know him trying the last couple of years and you know 
always getting hurt, always reactivating everything, never fully coming back. I think it's the best for him to finally call it quits. Um, just for the sake of his health, the sake of his career. Uh, I just think it's finally time, uh, sadly, for Dustin Pedroia. Um, but again, he is not planning to come back this year for the Boston Red Sox. So now we switch over to Canada with the Toronto Blue Jays making the biggest splash this week, signing outfielder George Springer to a six-year, $150 million deal. And you know, for a center fielder, this is only second to Mike Trout's deal, monster deal for George Springer. And the Blue Jays, you know, with the moves they've made, the moves that they could potentially make in the roster they already had, they're looking like one of the best teams to be in the LA in the uh excuse me in the AL East to come out in this season. Uh, you know, of course they got Vladimir Guerrero Jr., they got Rayu, and then you know, adding guys like George Springer and Kirby Gates, and they're still not done. Uh, reports are now coming out that they're also looking at left-hander James Paxson from the New York Yankees to potentially join their rotation as well. So the Blue Jays are making some noise. And, you know, the talent they're adding, the talent they already have, they're looking like a team who could come out on top of this AL East division. So definitely something to keep in mind going forward into the season. But George Springer, I think, is a huge pickup. Obviously a monster splash by the Toronto Blue Jays, a big name. Free agent is now off the board heading to Toronto. So now we go um, just some other free agent news. We got outfielder Michael Brantley. He's re-signing with the Astros. There's some talks that he could potentially be going somewhere else. You know, even um, the Toronto Blue Jays had potentially interest in Brantley, but he will be re-signing with Houston on a two-year, $32 million deal. Big by the Astros getting their outfielder back. Guy who's, you know, been an all-star countless times. Um, so kudos to them getting their guy back. Um core focal guy for their outfield. And then some other news um, in the MLB, we got the Atlanta Braves. They are in the mix for the JT Romilto sweepstakes, potentially getting the star catcher. But it's going to be interesting for the Braves because it's isn't really a need that they have on their team. Yeah, Travis, Deno- or Travis Darno has, been, has some issues with injuries. He's on his final year of his contract. But I think he is still the guy to be the catcher for the Atlanta Braves. And looking at free agents and, of, of course, the free agents they have, I think the first and foremost move for the Atlanta Braves should be re-signing Marcelo Ozuna. Um, that's, in my, in my personal opinion, they can get him cheaper than JT Realmuto, who potentially, you know, if they keep Darno, Realmuto will be their DH, which is a position um, traditionally held by Marcelo Ozuna. I still think they can get Ozuna uh, cheaper. And put, you know, not similar production, but slightly less production than JT can. I think it'll be significantly cheaper. Um, so I'm not too interested in this one here. Romito is obviously a big name. I think the Braves pretty much have what it takes. Um, you know, a team who potentially had a World Series berth last year got so close to that one. But I don't think that they go big here with JT. Um, I think their main goal here will be re-signing Ozuna and getting him back in the lineup. Um, for that team, but just some news they are coming out that they are interested and are in that sweepstakes as well. So now let's switch over to the NBA. Uh, so talk about some basketball. Regular season is going strong so far. I mean, looking at the Eastern Conference top five, we got the Sixers, Philadelphia at eleven and five. 
the Indiana Pacers have taken second place from the Milwaukee Bucks. Both of them are nine and six. The Bucks at third. Celtics are at eight and six in fourth place. And then the Cleveland Cavaliers, who have had back-to-back wins against the Brooklyn Nets, go up to eight and seven, and they are in fifth place in the Eastern Conference. And then you look over at the West. Uh, the two teams leading the NBA in terms of record, the LA Clippers and the LA Lakers are in a tie for first place at 12 and four. Utah Jazz 11 and four and third. Portland Trailblazers eight and six and fourth. And the Phoenix Suns are eight and six and fifth place in the Western Conference. So let's talk about this past week and some of these games. Obviously, we're going to start with the Brooklyn Nets and their two-game little series against the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is the first time we saw the big three in action on Wednesday. Kyrie Irvin was back. James Harden was starting. Kevin Durant was starting. This is the first chance we had to see the big three in action. And the Cavs and Colin Sexton ruined the party. And... Colin Sexton dropped 42 points in that game on the big three in a 147 to 135 double overtime win. And double overtime, Sexton dropped 20 straight points for the Cleveland Cavaliers, wearing not only Kyrie Irvin's former jersey number two with the Cavs, but also wearing Kyrie's shoes against Kyrie Irving's return game for the Brooklyn Nets. Colin Sexton was on one. Not only that game, but also the second game on Friday. Uh, No Kevin Durant on Friday for the Brooklyn Nets, but Colin Sexton went off for 25 points, getting the nod there with the win in that one as well. Um, In Friday's game, Kyrie, 38 points. James Harden, 19. Again, without Kevin Durant. But in these two games, and what looked to be Kyrie Irving's return two games back, Um, The the first game being the first game with the big three of Harden, Durant, and Irving. But they are outscored by 24 points combined in these two games against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Not a good start here for this big three team. And obviously the last game without Kevin Durant, he's the focal point of of that team, a guy who could potentially win an MVP award the way he's playing so far this year. Um, but for the season, Brooklyn now with the two games dropped, fall to nine and eight on the year. And they are two and two since the trade that sent James Harden forming that big three um, over there in Brooklyn, two and two since that happened. So there's a lot of issues going on with the Brooklyn Nets right now. And obviously, first and foremost, they you know need Kevin Durant back. He was resting. He's not hurt or anything, but they'll still need him back. He's their main star of this team. And then coming up, they got a, another two-game se- little mini-series against the uh, Miami Heat. So Brooklyn obviously will look to get back on track against the Heat in those two games. And head coach Steve Nash said that, you know, straightforward, this is not a defensive roster for the Brooklyn Nets, and that's probably been the downfall of their last two games. You know, Andre Drummond for the Cleveland Cavaliers has really taken advantage of DeAndre Jordan, who's pretty much the lone center for this Brooklyn Nets team. So they were getting beat heavily in the paint the last two games and weren't able to do anything defensively to combat it. James Harden was having some issues with some turnovers, just like he has been all year long leading the league. But just things need to get right and get back on track here for the Brooklyn Nets going forward. 
for the remainder of the season, trying to get things back, get things rolling with this big three, get the players to buy in. And, you know, like I said, just get back on track because these last two games haven't showed the East anything that they should be worried about going forward toward the playoffs with this new uh, powerhouse team um, over there in Brooklyn. But some other news and some other games um, from the NBA. Obviously, we're going to talk about the 76ers, who have the number one seed right now in the Eastern Conference. Thanks in part to Joel Embiid, who followed up a 42-point game on Wednesday with a 38-point, 11-rebound game against the Boston Celtics last night on Friday. So 42 to 38 to 11, and then 38 and 11. Uh, Joel Embiid has been on fire this year. At one point, was looking like he could potentially be in the running for the MVP award. Kind of slowed down here the last couple of um, games, but these last two started to pick things back up. He moves his points per game to 27.3, fifth in the NBA. Uh, so again, he is a huge part of the continued success for the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, a guy with, you know, Joel Embiid being top five in points per game. Ben Simmons right now is sixth in assists per game. And then you look at three-point percentage in the league right now. Seth Curry for the 76ers is leading the league at .596 uh, percentage. So he is shooting very efficiently from three. And this team right now is looking very hot and very hungry going forward. So kudos to the 76ers. Keep things rolling in the Eastern Conference. And then in the West, the LA Clippers made it six straight with a 120 to 106 win against Oklahoma City last night. Kawhi Leonard, 31 points. Paul George, 29 points. And Serge Ibaka put up a 17.11 rebound game. And like we talked about, the LA Clippers are now tied with their hometown team, the LA Lakers, for the NBA record um, for, for the best record, excuse me, in the NBA right now, those two teams are neck and neck and tied at that one. So that's all we got from the NBA this past week. Not really some breaking news outside of a big threes first game um, for the Brooklyn Nets. But again, the two losses there, um, obviously some big news. And then the big news with Joel Embiid and the Clippers rising up and continuing to hold that top spot, um, trying to keep the Lakers at bay in the Western Conference. But that's pretty much all we have for breaking news-wise coming out of the NBA. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking NFL news. We've got a lot to talk about. Some more head coaching hires, um, some retirements, some signings, some releases, all leading up to the championship weekend. Kansas City Chiefs against the Buffalo Bills and my Green Bay Packers hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Stay tuned. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Slaw Sports Show. I'm your host again, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw, here on the second half of this week's episode. We're now in the NFL. We're going to be talking some breaking news, some things that happened throughout the week um, between head coaching hires, releases, retirements, all, of course, like I said, leading up to the championship weekend. But Again, before we get started, my condolences again go out another legend who has passed away former green bay packers general manager ted thompson passed away this week at the age of 68 a guy who as the general manager for the packers pretty much built um, a huge part of the nfc packers nfc championship packers roster that we will be seeing on sunday um, a guy who served from the 
as a GM for the Packers from 2005 to 2017, architect of their Super Bowl winning team back in 2010. And, you know, just he's a guy who was a huge draft, one of the best drafters in the game um, as a general manager, you know, getting guys like Aaron Rodgers, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Clay Matthews, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, Kenny Clark, um, you know, all guys who became cornerstones to the organization and guys who become, um, you know, some of the most highly uh, thought about and highly um, productive players in Green Bay Packers history. Ted Thompson was the guy who was able to draft those guys and get him uh, or get them on the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, his final moments as the general manager, um, you know, he re-signed Devontae Adams, now one of the probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. Um, you know, like we said, drafted Kenny Clark, who's now the highest paid nose tackle. He re-signed Corey Lindsley, a guy who is an all-pro this year as a center. So a lot of what the Packers are putting forth in their roster in the NFC Championship game on Sunday, Ted Thompson's fingerprints are all over that roster. Um, so again, my heart goes out to him. Rest in peace, Ted Thompson. Um, obviously, as a Packers fan, that one hit hard, being our longtime general manager. But let's get started with some news. So the breaking news, obviously, at the beginning of this week in the NFL, first and foremost was the retirement of Philip Rivers, uh, 17-year career, uh, both with the San Diego Chargers, then LA Chargers, and this past season uh, with the playoff run with the Indianapolis Colts. He announced that he will be hanging it up. He will be going to coach in the high school ranks. But Phillip Rivers ends his career fifth in yards and fifth in passing touchdowns all time. Um, so obviously the question now with his retirement, is he going to be Hall of Fame worthy? He's got the stats to prove it. Um, but, you know, never made the Super Bowl, never won the MVP. Um, but in my opinion, I think he gets in. Stats alone speak for themselves. The guy was a staple not only um, to the league, but to the Chargers organization. Um, he was dealt a lot early on in his career, you know, going all the way back to the draft. Um, never complained. Um, a guy who was well-respected around the league. Everyone loved the trash talk going from Phillip Rivers. Um, so, um, of course, he announces his retirement, and you know we all respect it. Um, he had a great career, and I believe time was finally done. I've said it all year long that this is probably going to be the last year of Philip Rivers, um, just for the Colts organization going forward. I think they should have gone a different direction, um, and they are now going to do so. So that's now what we're going to be talking about is what's going to be next here for the Indianapolis Colts without Philip Rivers. Um, they were put, already put in a tricky situation, in my opinion, when last year they traded their first-round pick to the 49ers for DeForest Buckner. I was on the board saying that you know maybe they should potentially draft the guy that's going to be their future quarterback. Instead, they got DeForest Buckner. Proved me wrong there. He became a huge centerpiece to that defense and you know a monster on their defensive line. But now they're in this situation where they don't have a franchise quarterback. Um, is it going to be Jacoby Brissett? You know, they could always re-sign him. That was the system. Last year, they did draft in the later rounds Jacob Eason. I don't really know if he could be the guy. So what I'm looking at here with the Colts, um, potentially they could be in the market again in the first round to get a guy. Um, 
you know, I don't think they'll trade up for a guy like Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, but, the, you know, a guy like Matt Jones or Kyle Trask might be able to fall into their laps in the draft. But in my opinion, with the Colts, what they should do is look for a trade partner. Um, I don't think that the Colts should be in the market of developing a quarterback, which in my opinion might happen with Kyle Trask or Mac Jones in the later half of the first round. So with the Colts, I think their only hole right now is the quarterback position. If they fill that hole, they have the potential to be a Super Bowl contender depending on who they have leading this team. The defense is already there. This is an all-star level defense capable of winning games on their own with Darius Leonard, the maniac, and like we said to Forrest Buckner, they're young in the secondary, they're hungry, and on offense, you know, I mean, they're going to be losing a guy like Marlon Mack at running back, but Jonathan Taylor has come on the second half of the season proving that he is their back in the backfield and wide receiver, um, you know, T.Y. is always going to be there. Hopefully they can keep him around. Um, he's sorry to come on there to the tail end of the season, finally building some chemistry with Phillip Rivers. But Michael Pittman Jr., the guy who was a rookie last year at wide receiver, he started to come on and made huge plays in the playoffs against the Buffalo Bills. They have everything they need to build around, you know, three, you know, um, quality tight ends, productive tight ends, everything that is there except quarterback right now for the Indianapolis Colts. And if they can fill that spot, this team could have a chance at winning a Super Bowl, in my opinion, very, very soon. So when I look at the free agent market, obviously there's not really big names outside of Dak Prescott, who will most likely be re-signed. So this is my inclination to go for trade partner. All year long, everyone said Carson Wentz, but now uh, with some news coming out this week that we'll get to, Carson Wentz might be off the table um, in terms of getting a trade. So my eyes go over to the Detroit Lions with Matthew Stafford, a guy whose name has been buzzed all year long. He could potentially be out. He could potentially have played his final game as a Lion. Should he demand a trade? Absolutely. Matthew Stafford has to get out of Detroit and you know, for the sake of his career. And it would be a match made in heaven if he can land with the Indianapolis Colts. Stafford is a highly productive quarterback. His stats have always been incredible. His talent is off the roof. He just needs somewhere else that's not Detroit because they are ruining his career like they are infamous for doing. And he needs to go into the front office and demand a trade as soon as possible. And the Colts should be the first team to pick up the phone um, and call Matthew Stafford if he becomes available because he is the guy who I think will lead the Colts to the playoffs, lead the Colts to a Super Bowl if they can land Matthew Stafford. And that needs to be their number one priority is getting a guy like Stafford to be their next quarterback. And speaking of quarterbacks, some other breaking news is Dwayne Haskins landing a deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was released late in the season by the Washington football team, former 15th overall pick. He now lands on um, lands with the Steelers on a future deal. They're in that same boat um, as the Colts, but they are getting a guy who could potentially come in and compete now, unlike the Colts. Um, Pittsburgh could be faced with losing their franchise quarterback and Ben Roethlisberger set to make a cap hit of $41 million. So all or everyone is expecting right now that Big Ben is done with the Steelers. He will be retiring um, some point this offseason. Um, I think it's a safe bet to make that he 
um, will potentially be done. Um, didn't really have a great year. Um, was, uh, you know, kind of banged up there once in a while. And, you know, how's his elbow going to be feeling this offseason? You know, every offseason is always like, I'm, you know, the elbow feels fine. I'm good to go. Um, but, you know, the loss they had first round to the Cleveland Browns and the Steelers just, you know, the tail end of their season, how they completely fell off of a cliff. Um, I think it's going to be a change of guard here for Pittsburgh. And I, you know, can it be Haskins? I don't know. That's going to be interesting to see. But I think he's definitely a guy who will get to compete during offseason, during OTAs, and during training camp um, going forward toward next season. Um, so kudos to the Pittsburgh Steelers getting a guy in-house early on that could potentially compete. Uh, some other news is the Ravens have released running back Mark Ingram. That comes as no surprise, save $5 million. Um, the real surprise came with how early they released him. Um, you know, I mean, they just lost last week to the Buffalo Bills, and now already this week are releasing a lot of players. They also released uh, backup quarterback Robert Griffin III. Um, but Mark Ingram's a big one. Um, something I saw coming with the emergence of J.K. Dobbins, uh, the rookie running back for the Ravens. Uh, Mark Ingram was he a healthy scratch for a lot of games down the stretch. Um, so this is one that we all pretty much saw coming. Um, but the Ravens get it done early. Give Mark Ingram a full offseason to um, contemplate what he wants to do going forward and give him a lot of time to develop some interest from other teams going forward into the offseason. Um, so Mark Ingram, a guy who pretty much built this existing culture for the Baltimore Ravens right now, Think about last year, all of the big trust, whoop, whoop talks. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, MVP, he was the front runner of the hype train for the Ravens and Lamar last year. Um, so, again, just Mark Ingram. Uh, hate to see it. He was a big part of their culture there, just like he was with the New Orleans Saints. But now two straight times he's been beat out by uh, some r young up-and-coming running backs. Um, so you really hate to see it. I hope a team uh, gives a chance on them. You know, maybe the New York Jets or somebody. They're always in the market for washed-up running backs. Uh, but I hope Mark Ingram gets another chance with someone else. I love his energy he brings to a team um, and excitement he brings in the game of football. So I hope he gets another opportunity going forward. So now let's switch over um, to you know still in the NFL news, but now talk uh, some more head coaching talk. Because the dominoes we talked about last week started to fall. We talked about you know Urban Meyer and Robert Sala. and um, of course, Arthur Smith getting jobs uh, with their respective teams. But now three more head coaches getting hired this week um, since our last episode. So we'll start off with the Rams hiring, or excuse me, the Chargers hiring Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley. He's excited to work with quarterback Justin Herbert, a guy who is still, in my mind, the rookie of the year. Um, but most importantly, that defense, being a defensive-minded guy, um, you know, he's got Kenneth Murray, the rookie at middle at middle linebacker. He's got guys like Casey Hayward, um, Chris Harris Jr., of course, Joey Boston, Melvin Ingram on the deep front, and then getting back the overly talented, hopefully gets cleared to play Derwin James at safety, a guy who is electric, and I hope, and I've been hoping for years, that he can come back into true form and be the dynamic playmaker that he is at the safety position. It's been a while since we've heard about him and seen him on the field, uh, but I hope he comes back. Um, but this is an interesting hire. Everyone was saying that the Chargers were potentially going to go 
with Brian DeBall from the Buffalo Bills getting offensive guy here for Justin Herbert. Um, help continue his development and help continue his career going forward after a tremendous rookie season. But instead, they go with a defensive guy who's also a former quarterback. So it's interesting. Um, but I don't think it's a bad move at all. I think Brandon Staley is a highly sought-after candidate. And, you know, obviously the Ra- or excuse me, the Chargers thought so as well. Wouldn't let him leave after the interview and um, brought him in for a second one. He was scheduled to go you know, out to Philadelphia and I believe out to Detroit to interview there as well. But instead, the Chargers would not let him leave and finally signed him now as the next head coach. Um, so I think it's a big uh, move by the Chargers. Getting a defensive guy helped build a defense in a division that will desperately need it. You know, a division that's going to be twice a year facing and off against the Kansas City Chiefs. Getting a defensive guy like Staley will definitely help, um, you know, build that side of the ball. But the issue I have with Staley over a guy like the ball is, of course, um, the development of Justin Herbert, because I think he's now going to be put in a bad situation going forward because, you know, he's going to rely, obviously, on the offensive coordinator they have with the defensive-minded head coach. The offensive coordinator is going to be the guy that's directly speaking to him. Um, and the way he has played in the past, the way this offense has played in the past, usually very productive. I unfortunately think that, you know, every offensive coordinator Herbert has will probably be done um, as an offensive coordinator will probably get some nods as a head coach and at least two or three every two or three years for Justin Herbert. So I think that's going to put multiple um, stoppages in his development going forward. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the Chargers got a good one in Staley. Um, he's highly respected, a guy who's been called the defensive uh, mind of Sean McVay from the LA Rams led them to the number one defense in the NFL. So I think that is a good hire there. Um, the next hire was the Lions hiring Dan Campbell, um, tight ends coach and assistant head coach for the New Orleans Saints after their loss to the Buccaneers. They made it official. They are hiring him to a six-year deal. This is a guy who is a little bit of a questionable um, hiring here, um, but he is a big football guy. Already they're calling him the dude over there in Detroit, Motor City Dan Campbell. I'm loving it. Uh, I love these untraditional head coaches that come in and just bring a ton of energy, and he's already bringing it. Uh, We're just going to read off his press conference here, the first press conference um, for head coach Dan Campbell, the Detroit Lions. Word for word, he said, this place has been kicked. It's been battered. It's been bruised. I can sit up here and give you coach uh, coach speak all day long. I can give you, hey, we're going to win this many games. None of that matters. You guys don't want to hear it anyways. You've had enough of that crap. Excuse my language. Here's what I do know. This team, as the Detroit Lions, is going to take up and uh, the identity of this city. And this city has been down and found a way to get up. It's found a way to overcome adversity. So this team is going to be built on. We're going to kick you in the teeth. And we're gonna, and when you punch us back, excuse me, we're gonna smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're gonna get up. And on the way up, we're gonna bite a kneecap off. And we're gonna stand up and we're gonna take two more shots to knock us down. And on the way up, we're gonna take your other kneecap. We're gonna get up and it's gonna take three shots to get us down. And when you do, we're gonna get up and take another hunk out of you. Before long, we're going to be the last one standing. 
and that is going to be our mentality. If that doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what will. Motor City Dan Campbell is going to bring the fire for the Detroit Lions. But again, even with Motor City Dan, I still think it's time for Matthew Stafford to depart from the team. But Dan Campbell is the dude, and I love that hire. Um, I love, like I said, big energy guys. Um, it's unconventional. A lot of people are going to question it. But Dan Campbell, sitting over there in Motor City with the Detroit Lions, does have a nice ring to it. And then the next hiring, which came um, toward the middle of uh, this week, was the Philadelphia Eagles hiring Nick Sirianni, the Colts offensive coordinator, as their next head coach, bringing back that Frank Wright system offense back to the Philadelphia Eagles, an offense that heavily benefited Carson Wentz. So obviously I think the future is in Wentz now. Um, you know, I've always talked about the ownership, Howie Long, the offense, or excuse me, the general manager. They've always had their back. Um, protecting Carson Wentz. And Doug Peterson's always been the guy against them. This continues to show that here. Um, so it's looking like they will be going forward with Carson Wentz. Obviously, they're going to let him and Hurts battle it out. Hurts, you know, like what I talked about um, yesterday on From the Bench podcast, um, Hurts is a guy who won't go down without a fight. He is a born winner, and he's going to battle and compete for this job against Carson Wentz all offseason long. So even though they get Sirianni here, bringing back Carson Wentz's former system, I still don't think he is going to be the guy. This is going to be a 100% competition, a quarterback competition between these two guys all training camp long. I'm excited to watch these two battle it out and see who gets the reins come week one. So that's all the head coaching hires except for one. The Houston Texans, the most sought after, actually not the most sought after, but the most heavily criticized, heavily critiqued, heavily media-sided head coaching vacancy this year has been the Houston Texans because right now all eyes are on Deshaun Watson. Does Deshaun Watson leave? Does he demand the trade? He hasn't officially demanded a trade yet from the Houston Texans. But everyone is speculating that he is play, He has played his last game with the organization. They still have not hired their next head coach. They're still worthy candidates on the board, like Eric Bieniemy from the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of people are already angry of how he still hasn't got a head coaching job. We got Joe Brady from the Carolina Panthers, Todd Bowles with the Buccaneers leading that defense to the NFC Championship game, uh, Jim Caldwell. The former Lions coach, he's won everywhere he's gone to. All of those guys are still available. And yet the most recent news with the Houston Texans is that they have interviewed quarterback on their roster, Josh McCown, for their head coaching vacancy. Watson's gone. Um, right now, I think Deshaun Watson needs to leave. They're not doing any favors for him. Um, you know, with this interviewing of Josh McCown, a guy who has no coaching experience, although that means nothing, it's not a good look for the Houston Texans who are, you know, wanting to hopefully keep Deshaun Watson. I think now they've realized it's probably inevitable that he's going to leave. I think the only shot they had at potentially keeping Watson was, you know, going with a guy like Eric Bieniemy from the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a guy that Deshaun Watson wanted, but ultimately, 
that is not going to be the case by the looks of it. Um, you know, they still potentially can when the Chiefs lose and or win the Super Bowl, they'll get another shot here to interview Eric Bieniemy. There's no more teams left to hire, so they can take all the time they need to make this decision, which is obviously going to be an important one. But at the end of the day, I think Deshaun Watson is gone uh, from the Houston Texans. Which brings us to our next point. Uh, we talked about him last week. Robert Sala, the new head coach of the New York Jets, in his press conference, the first press conference this week, he did not say anything about the future for quarterback Sam Darnold, which brings everyone to believe with the second overall pick, two first rounds this year, two first round picks next year, the Jets could be the team to make a trade and land Deshaun Watson. Um as their quarterback. So that's obviously some big news coming out of this week now. No, nothing official, obviously, with Watson still not um, requesting a trade. But the Jets are looking like a prime contender if he becomes available uh, to make some calls and potentially land a deal um, to get the um, to get the guy who's you know obviously a top-five quarterback in the NFL. Um, so the Jets looking like prime contenders with their new head coach, Rob Sala, to build that new culture and get potentially their new franchise quarterback on the table. Um, so that's all we have with NFL news. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, it's championship weekend. We're going to be talking the two matchups and potential um, Super Bowl matchup going forward. We're going to be talking about the two games, what's at stake, and what is the current status for all four teams. We'll take a quick break, and we come back. It's championship weekend time. So we are back here ready to discuss championship weekend, the main event of this week's episode. Obviously, a lot to consider with these four teams going forward for potential Super Bowl matchups. But you look at the four teams we have on tap playing in tomorrow's championship uh, weekend. We have probably the four hottest teams in the NFL, still alive in contention for a Super Bowl victory this year. We got the Buffalo Bills, who since Week 7 have an 11-1 record, the best record in the NFL since Week 7. Kansas City Chiefs since Week 6 are 11-1, with their only loss coming in Week 17 to the Chargers in a game where they rested their starters. We got our hometown here, favorite team, Green Bay Packers, riling off seven straight wins now and five of those seven wins have been by 14 points or more and finally the tampa bay buccaneers have won six straight and are averaging 35 points per game in those six games so no team is hotter than these four teams right here and you know all the talk all week long has been about the young guns patrick mahomes and josh allen on one side the old Bucks on the other side, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, the four remaining quarterbacks. And there's obviously a lot, of course, of noise here with these four teams remaining because all four teams, the two matchups we're seeing, actually played in the same week in the regular season in week six when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers decimated the Green Bay Packers 38-10. to That game was pretty much over from the start. And the Kansas City Chiefs ran all over the Buffalo Bills, winning 26-17. to But that was the regular season. This is now championship weekend of the playoffs. All cards are off the table. 
you know, you can't look back at these games. A lot has changed since week six for all four teams. This is now a fresh slate for all four in these two games. So obviously we're going to start out first with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Lambeau Field to take on my Green Bay Packers in the first game um, on Sunday slate. It's looking to be high 20s, looking like we're going to get a chance of snow in Lambeau. The conditions are perfect for Aaron Rodgers' first home NFC Championship game of his career. That's obviously you know, a big um, highlight, a big headline for this game is Rodgers' first time ever getting a home NFC Championship game. Uh, but also on the flip side, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the win against the Packers will host a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. So that will be, you know, first time uh, record breaking here uh, for a team hosting a Super Bowl at their stadium. Um, but the news of the week, especially coming from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is critical. They are getting back defensive tackle Vita Vea. He has been activated and will be suiting up. A guy who win in the roster completely shut down the run game of every team they faced earlier in the season. But on the flip side, Antonio Brown on the offense has been ruled out for this matchup. Um, and I think my whole storyline for this game has been the elements. You got Tampa Bay, South Florida coming up into Lambeau, Green Bay, Wisconsin in January. It's going to be cold. The elements are going to play a huge part in this game. But I always said that the three things that won't happen is the freezing up of, of course, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, and Antonio Brown. But Antonio Brown is now out of the picture, so now that leaves us Brady and Gronk, two guys who've played their entire careers up in New England for the Patriots. They are used to the weather. They're used to the cold I see no problem from those two guys. I think it's going to be a big Gronk and Brady show in this game. But the other rest of the guys on the roster, these Florida boys, um, especially the guys on the defense, they might freeze up here in this game in Lambeau, and that's something to definitely consider going forward. Uh, looking at this matchup, and uh, on the side for the Packers, you know, we talked about all the talk with Aaron Rodgers, um, of course, with their offensive um, obviously, the big talk, what they were able to do last week against the number one defense in the NFL with the L.A. Rams, completely destroyed them in that game. It was, um, you know, no shot for that defense. It was all Packers offense in that game. But with the Packers defense, they made the headlines this week, especially yesterday in practice. They watched last year's NFC Championship loss to the San Francisco 49ers and from what I've heard from reports of the locker room and of practice, the defense is ready to play, and they are not happy. Um, they're all pretty much angry. Um, the emotions are mutual with the entire defense. Um, is you know outside of Chris Barnes, our rookie linebacker with the Packers, it's the same defense that faced off against the Niners last year that absolutely got ran on in the NFC Championship game. So, um, obviously, the defense, like I said, unhappy. They are not content with what they have done so far this season. You know, the mantra all year long has been won and not done. The defense is not done 
like they were last year, uh, this time last year. Um, so they're obviously, of course, going up against Tom Brady, a guy who's, you know, looking to make it to his 10th career Super Bowl, which is absolutely incredible. But this defense from the Packers, I'm hoping, will come to play against Tom Brady. Packers offense, Bucks offense, there's a lot of heavyweight bout here in this matchup. You know, not even having talked about Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense outside of Vita Vea, but, you know, they had forced Drew Brees last week in the three interceptions. They are just as fearsome as they come as well. This is going to be a great matchup. This is one, in my opinion, I think, uh, while it won't be a shootout, I definitely can see this game going back and forth the entire game. You know, a couple of uh, turnovers here, some touchdowns, some touchdowns back, a turnover again. This game, I think, will come down to the final possession. And is it going to be Aaron Rodgers with the ball, or will it be Tom Brady with the ball with a chance to win this game? That, I think, will be the ending um, uh, ending statement for this game. Excuse me. Uh, who is going to get this ball last? Will it be Brady or will it be Rodgers with a chance to win this game? And then we switch now over to the AFC Championship game. we got the Buffalo Bills uh, traveling to the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, all the storyline of this game has been Patrick Mahomes, who has been in concussion protocol all week. But he has been cleared and is officially active. He is good to go and will be starting for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, a guy who, in the regular season and, of course, in the postseason, has the best QBR. This guy is um, you know, the difference maker, obviously, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they were able to hold on last week whenever he went down with that supposed concussion. But he is back, clear to go. However, on the offense, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire their rookie running back, and Sammy Watkins, their wide receiver, are both questionable for this matchup. So that could be key for this Buffalo Bills defense who's trying to figure out how do they slow down and stop all of these weapons for the Chiefs. Potentially losing two and Clyde and Sammy Watkins could be key in doing so. Could make the load a little bit more manageable for this defense. Although it's still going to be a tricky task uh, to cover guys um, of course, you know, they got Le'Veon Bell, who's going to be coming in potentially at running back. Now with Edwards, questionable if he isn't good to go. Look for Le'Veon Bell to get the bulk of the carries and work out of the backfield. But the defense still has to learn how to contain not only Patrick Mahomes, but his two main targets in Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. So Buffalo will have their hands full on defense, but on offense, the Bills look to be good to go. John Brown, um... Devin Singletary, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley all look healthy and all look like they are going to be ready to go for Josh Allen. He has all the weapons needed to uh, potentially have a shootout with Patrick Mahomes. I think that is my prediction for this one. This will be a straight-up shootout game, potentially even hitting upwards of 70 points in this matchup. Uh, I think this is going to go back and forth, touchdown, 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 touchdown in my opinion. But the part that scares me is the Buffalo Bills' first half offense. They've been a little drowsy here so far in the uh, playoffs with their first half offense. Um, I think they definitely have to get some rhythm going, get a good strip in this game. Brian DeBall has been working all league long of how he's going to open this game against the Kansas City Chiefs because at any point the Chiefs can turn things on and score touchdowns. 
So the Buffalo Bills cannot be going down at the half. They got to find a way uh, to potentially get things rolling in the first half and hold on to it because in the second half, they have been a great second half team, especially on offense. And I think that is the, the kicker here. Last year, um, the, you think back to last year's playoffs in the divisional round, the Chiefs against the Houston Texans. The Texans got out to that big halftime lead on the Chiefs, but the Chiefs were able to you know, stifle their offense in the second half and come back and win that game, scoring seven straight touchdowns. We all know that story. But I think this year is different for the Buffalo Bills. I think they get going on offense and get a lead here in the first half. They're a much better second-half offense, I think, than the Kansas City Chiefs, and they can be able to potentially hold that lead against Patrick Mahomes and clinch a Super Bowl berth. But that one, like I said, I'm hoping for an offensive straight-up shootout 70-point at least game in that matchup. I'm excited. Both of these matchups are exciting matchups, of course. You know, we've talked about it all with the quarterbacks, um, the four quarterbacks. We've talked about, you know, obviously the four hottest teams in the league. This is going to be one of the best weekends in sports. I don't think we've ever seen a championship weekend as exciting as the one we are getting tomorrow. So I hope everyone checks out those two games. If you want my prediction, I'm hoping for Buffalo and the Green Bay Packers to face off in the Super Bowl. That's my two hopefuls. I don't want to do any predictions. Last year, they were all pretty much wrong when I came to playoffs, but I'm hoping for a Packers-Bills Super Bowl in Tampa. Um, But that's all the time we have for today's episode. So thank you all for joining me. Long episode today, but we covered a lot. I'll break it down, make make sure everything is a lot more uh, bite-sized pieces for everyone, of course, to check out if you don't want to check out the whole episode. But again, that's all we have for this week. Thank you all for joining me. Um, Again, check out UFC uh, Fight Night tonight, McGregor against Poirier. Make sure to check that out. MLB uh, free agency continues on, and of course the NBA season, and of um, and obviously tomorrow championship weekend with these two matchups. And then looking forward, um, not much NFL going on next week. Obviously preparing for the Super Bowl, but in two weeks we have, of course, the Super Bowl on February seventh. So again, things to look forward to. Hope you guys enjoy all the sports world events going forward Um, and i hope you guys of course enjoyed today's episode so until next saturday we'll see you then peace